Father, we thank you. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Now you're going to pray for yourself again this evening that even as you have come, we hear God's word and that the Lord will give us understanding. In the name of Jesus, let that be our prayer this evening. Even as the word of God will be coming to us this evening, ask that the Lord will speak to you. Ask that the Lord will speak to you. Say, Lord, I have come to listen to your word and I ask that you will speak to me. For somebody who desperately need help, the Lord will come through for you. For somebody who is in trouble, the Lord will give you a word. In the name of Jesus, pray that prayer sincerely. Let that be your prayer. Pray it sincerely and say, Lord, this evening, I open my heart to you. Send your word to me. In the name of Jesus, send your word to me. That desperate state, Lord, send your word to that person. That person who needs help. Like it's Sammy says, say, come quickly. Come quickly. Lord, come quickly for that person. Come quickly for that person. Father, we thank you. We bless your name, Lord, once again for what you will be doing amongst your people. Speak to us. Our hearts are open. We want to hear you talk to us. Satisfy our hunger, quench our thirst this evening to the glory of your name. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Alright, for those who come for the first time, please just look at this magazine. On the cover, you see a black box at the bottom there. We have this habit of um, charging our spirits, okay, before we start studying. There are different chants we have. We believe as Christians, uh, we are in a cult. I mean, cult, please, don't be, don't be scared. <laughs> We're not going to drink anybody's blood. We are, we, are, we are already filled with blood and we keep topping up. And that's the blood of who? Say like, believe it. Yeah, the blood of Jesus. But you see, we have spiritual power. We have spiritual power. And those who are involved in spiritual things must know how to use their words. Words are very powerful. So we take the word of God and we form them into declarations. And those declarations, we take them once in a while. So when we want to study the word of God, what you have in your hand is the one we declare, okay, as a result of the faith we have that God has given us something, okay? Now, because we believe that God is going to speak to us, we activate our spirits to be able to receive what he, want to, he wants to say. At the close of the meeting, we have another one we normally chant to release water on our way as we are going. And before we start praying, there's one we did at the beginning, if you're here early enough, we did that one at the beginning also. We take that one. All of them are inside this magazine. One is on the cover. The other one is on page 11 towards the end. And that's the last one I'm talking about is on the second page. You will see it. You can look at it at the end. That one, we do it to remove every self-confidence, every confidence in the flesh. We, we declare it first so that when we're approaching God, we know we're approaching only based on what Jesus has done, not what we are doing, okay? Just introduce it to some people. So to start now, just join us. Let's take the declaration that we take before as we begin to study. It's on that cover so you can read it along. Everybody, let's go. Now I declare... The Lord has given us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. 
Now again I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. Now that will be your testimony again today in Jesus' name. Amen. Clarity, understanding of the will of God, it will come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. All right, before you take your seat, just bless somebody beside you. Share a blessing, you understand? Tell the fellow, you are blessed. Increase greatness, that's your portion. Total health in the name of Jesus. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. All right, so welcome to School of Prayer again for this... um, Beautiful Tuesday evening. And I want to just share something with us briefly, and then we'll begin to pray. And uh, I thought about it. What do we title it? So I call it the higher purpose of Christian prayer. The higher purpose of what? Christian prayer. What is prayer all about? Now, there's something I say once in a while, and that's the fact that Christianity is radical. It's different from other things. You know, sometimes when they want to feel religion, the people, you know, the way we eat, the average people look at it is this is Christianity. They're on the same level. You can be a Muslim, or you can be a Hindu, you can be a Jew. Or, I mean, that is different things. No, Christianity is not like that. It is not like that. It is not like that. Okay, it's more like this is what compares. They said you see a picture of food, you see a picture of banana. You see, this, uh, this one we used to decorate tables. Plastic grapes, plastic, uh, you know, fruits, and, uh, you know, stuff like that. I see a picture of one very beautiful um, bowl of, you know, nice salad. I see one of fried rice with chicken, you understand? And all of them, you, they look like what? Food. Now, let me ask you a simple question. Can you compare all of these things I've described? Pictures, plastic models, all of them. In fact, I read something long ago in, in Japan. They don't just, well, I don't know whether how it caught them, but they began at a time. In some restaurants, they don't just give you the menu. They give you a model of the food. Do you understand? They put rice and chicken in front of you. Touch is plastic. <laughs> at least you know what you are getting. All right? So imagine all of these things they put in front of you. Then, 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 they now put a plate of, let's, nothing big, just a plate of White rice with a few pieces of plantain and meat. Can you compare? Please, can you compare? Answer me like you are here. They all look alike, right? But only one satisfies. Only one will enter you and give you strength. Only one will relieve your troubles. They may all look the same. You know, maybe you got the best artist to design that, that model. 3D printing, the 3D printed, you know, fried rice for you. That is the model. They gave you a beautiful picture, you understand, of the best food you can ever think about. All of them are not even to be compared with a little bit of the real thing. That is what Christianity is like. We may all, we may all claim we are practicing religions or something. Christianity is like the real thing in the midst of plenty pictures. The real thing in the midst of plenty images, the real thing in the midst of plenty models, is the real thing. It is the real thing. Now the Bible says that, look, the law was a model. He had the 
shadow, not even an exact representation. So you must understand it. So the whole of Judaism is just a model that, hmm, look, eh, it's something, you know, teaching children about translucent, transparent, and opaque, that the law is a, is a tra- it's not transparent, it's translucent. You can just see shadows. You can't make it out clearly. The real thing is Christianity. I hope you're getting my point. Now, let me withdraw the word Christianity for a moment. The real thing is Christ. You understand? What is Christianity? It's as we are being formed into the image of Christ. What is Christianity? It's as we are being conformed to that image. Christianity is a process of change. Christianity is not our, let me use the word, sorry, please, pardon me. It's not our identity. That is, you want to identify yourself. If you're a Christian, put up your hand. No. Christianity is not, it's not like that. Christianity is not our means of getting things in life. No. Christianity is our process of change. It's a way by which I am becoming more and more like the Lord Jesus on a daily basis. Any religion you try, they are all models. They are all pictures. No matter how real they look, it's just a look. When you touch it, you discover that it's not real. If you try to feed on it, you will discover emptiness. You know, one way by which, you know, there was, it, it, some time ago we did this series on the book of Ecclesiastes. Alright? And then, I tried to show us, and please, it's still there, you can, if you are, if we're not around, try and get the messages. They have, I, I think I highly recommend them so that you understand the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is a very misunderstood book. Even some of the teachers I love the most, they misunderstand it entirely. When people can't understand what Solomon was saying, they will now tell you that, uh, uh, he, he wrote that book in a backsliding state. The man was not backsliding when he wrote the book. His eyes were clear. He was spiritually keen, and only somebody with the depth of wisdom that God gave him could write that. I hope you're getting my point now. All right? So please bear in mind. So we did a, you know, a study that time on the book of Ecclesiastes. And now, this is where I'm going. You know, one thing that made me go to do this study, even though I read, I studied around it a bit, I read, I remember reading, um, um, is this shade of his hand? One of those books by Oswald Chambers that introduced me to understand the Ecclesiastes. Okay? But what really pushed me to do the teaching was that one day I was just reading the news, just keeping up with things, and I realized that a lot of, um, movie stars, rich people, you know, influential people all over the world, I was reading the news that they were getting involved in what they call New Age. Oprah Winfrey was the one they were talking about at that point in time. You know, you know what they call New Age. And according to Ravi Zacharias, it's nothing but, you know, a foreign bird with a local walk. That is, what the letter says that. They just package Hinduism. That, you know, if you go to, if you come to Nigeria, tell you something is American, you know, you know the way we look at it, you know, like, ah, well, this is from the U.S. It's like that also when you get to India, you get to Asia, it's like that also. So when you get, you know, if you tell them that this is from America, they are impressed. But what many of us don't know is that when you cross over to... Western Europe and United States, North America, they pride things that are exotic. Like you think that this thing is from India. Eh. Then that this one is from Africa. Mm. You know, their eyes will open. Now, for a different set of reasons, actually. So, Ravi Zacharias explained that what they call New Age is nothing but westernized Hinduism. That is, that's how Indians worship. That's how Indians interact with the spiritual. 
but they just repackaged it and brought it to the West. And because it was so different from what they were used to, they swallowed it. Now, this is where I'm going. You find that, I noticed that Oprah Winfrey went there. Um, what's his name? Tom Cruise became, he went for Christian science. A lot of them just got involved in all of these things. I know what? As they go in, they also come out. That's where I'm going. <laughs> I've noticed it. Then I will see somebody like, um, Angelina Jolie. Then once I saw a picture of Angelina Jolie, either in Somalia or Sudan or somewhere, carrying, you know, malnourished children, and I look and I say, mm-hmm, Angelina, Angelina. What are you looking for here? <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? And you see them doing all kinds of things. Recently, Prince Harry is down again in somewhere in Africa, clearing, clearing landmines, walking in the footsteps of his mother. Mm. You know, I am one person, I am not impressed. You're walking all over the road, all over the world. I, you know, gone at the distance and said, some things that this is what I'm doing. Even Christians have not done it. I said, bros, one reason why Christians don't do some of those things is that, listen to me, Christ is so satisfying that you need to have a real sense of mission to start those journeys. Many people that you are seen doing them, eh? <laughs> it is lack of satisfaction. You think it is uh, love? It is not love. When you want to start a movie to say thank you for asking to play the role, they give you a check for $20 million. You have not acted, though. $20 million in the bag. That is, you don't pray for money. If there's a security problem, there's one button beside your bed. It rings in two places. Local police station and the security um, outfit that you employed. What, you don't pray for water. You don't pray for anything. You have good health insurance. The best doctors are at, at, at your beck and call. Then they now give you, on top of all of this, they give you $20 million. And, oh, I forgot, the last one they paid you for the last movie has not finished. That is when you will know that life can be frustrating. You think poverty is a problem. <laughs> After you wake up in the morning, you just look like, why can't I just die? They say, ah, madam, don't die, don't die. Say, oh, I, I want to die. Then one man will say, sniff this, you will not die. Then you sniff it. Ah, life feels good. It lasts 24 hours. Give me again. You sniff it. Oh, life feels good, but not as good as yesterday's own. So you need double dose. In one month, you are hooked on the latest drug. And 90% of those who get hooked on those drugs never come off. Never do. They never do. We heard that this big star went for rehab. The 90% relapsed within one year. 90%. Now, the drug thing, another thing they use instead of drugs is charity work. That's how you start walking through line mines. That is how you start carrying sick babies in Somalia. That's how you be running all over the world. It is pursuit of, you know, satisfaction. Jesus said, my satisfaction comes from doing the will of him that sent me and finishing his work. Now, I observed all of this at that time. Then I now read my book of Ecclesiastes again. And I saw that Solomon itemized it just like that, one by one. Solomon said that there was a time I decided to lay up money. I laid up money. It was so good. Then I realized one thing. He, maybe the guy who will come after me will be a fool. And he will inherit all of this money. So I said, this is vanity. And I turned around. I began to contemplate wisdom. And if you understand what it meant by wisdom, it's not just, oh, wise saints. No. Let me know things average people don't know. I went to the realm of the spiritual. I came out. I said, my friend, this is vanity. Then I said, okay, let me live carelessly. After two days, I said, this fool's... Fools don't have eyes, so I stopped that. I ran up and down pursuing something, and I never found it. What am I going to say? So when you see all these religions people go into, it's plastic food. It's plastic food. 
forget uh, Oprah Winfrey. She will do a new age. She will come out. Let me tell you something. Even normal Christianity, let me borrow the word so we don't have confusion. Churchianity is that disappointing. If you go to church and serve and you have not met the Lord Jesus himself, you will be as disappointed as if you went into a Hindu temple. It's the same thing. Many people, listen to me, in Nigeria of today, give it over the next few years, you will see a mass exodus out of church. And it is the will of God. Churches will become empty. You know why? People will get tired. You know why? They've been serving, but according to an old order, not having met the Lord Jesus himself. You will discover that people have given offerings. They have given tithes. They have sown special seeds, first fruits, second fruit, value added tithe, everything. <laughs> at the end of, listen to me, at the end of it, eh, they will look back and say, how is my life different from when I was an unbeliever? What they will not know is that they have never believed. Somebody just did something. He repackaged you know, a religion and gave it to them. And because it's in vogue right now, especially in southern Nigeria, to go to church, they went too. And because they, they learned earlier how to give offerings. They were promoted. A man does not know Jesus Christ within a month, within a year, he's a deacon. He does not know Christ, but his offerings are regular. His job is good. Just tighten alone, ten of his type, they can keep a big church running based on their tithe. So the pastor keeps on preaching so as to impress them. So that the type, the flow of tithe will never stop. Many of the arguments I've had with people about money matter, you know, money issues in Christianity, is because men have to sustain the organization. It's not based on truth. It's like, oh, if we, Banky, what you're saying, if we agree with you, where would the money come from? So men like that have a problem. And what is that problem? <laughs> they will be promoted. Today, we are a deacon. That is, within a year, they are deacons. But they, what they don't understand is based on offering. After all, they wanted to buy a pastor, his pastor's birthday. They wanted to buy a pastor one special gift. He brought good money. Pastor had to appreciate him. What is wrong with you? Who not you appreciate him? Next thing you know, the guy is carrying Bible in church. They, they, they offer him, you know, midweek service. It's a step, stepping stone into being a pastor. Ask him. <laughs> he knows what I'm talking about. You reward unbelievers with leadership because of commitment. We do it. Christianity. It's unfortunate, but we have done a lot of it. Sometimes, next thing you know, Bam! The labor pastors added to the guy's life. You know how he got there? Serving after the flesh. What do you mean serving after the flesh? Coming early in the morning, for church service, dressing appropriately, saying the right words, very importantly, offering the right offerings. <laughs> but hear the word of the Lord. All those people, they are going to start getting tired this year. The same way they came in, they will walk out. They will find that it's not satisfying. You know why? Because they were serving God after the flesh. They were sowing to the flesh. And from the flesh, they are going to reap corruption. They, and you know one of the things that will happen? Every promise that has been made to them will fail. Every single promise. You told the man if he ties, devourer will leave him alone. His best property will disappear this year. His children will get into trouble. His, problem, his business will almost collapse. Then he will look back. As I, as I was sowing, boss, you were reaping. Then the spirit of discontent will be sent into his soul. 
then he will get up and walk out. And he will walk out and see nothing bad happen to him. You threaten him before that if he leaves, you will remove the cover over his head. He has left, only starts prospering. He's back to boozing, clubbing, womanizing, and nothing bad happens to him. Then his friends are going to watch and say, what is going to happen? Nothing. They walk away again. Listen, it's not them. It's the spirit moving them out. The Holy Spirit will move everybody and say, enough, enough, enough. Clean this place for me. Tired of unbelievers pretend to be Christians. It will happen. It will begin to happen very, very soon. You know what happened? Churches, people just start getting tired. They just start getting tired. Of course, I don't need to ask you. The individual is trending of the pastor that sexually harasses students. I told my wife, this is divine judgment. This is, this is not uh, social media. It's God saying, oh, oh boy, it is enough. And he says, if you guys think you have seen anything, you ain't seen nothing yet. There are many unbelievers doing it. Why did I pick the one that says he's a pastor? Why was it that one that I picked? I sent them. People say, they atta- they, nobody's attacking the church. Nobody is. God says, I am cleaning out my own house. Listen, this church, it go empty. Two churches will become empty. Where God said, they, they ran down here, you give them false hope. You know, Jeremiah said, they have healed the heart of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, peace, peace, when indeed there is no peace. No peace, no peace, no peace. If you go within Christianity, eh? like I said, it is another plastic model. No, it's not. Those who do that churchianity, like I've described, serving God after the flesh, they will get frustrated and tired, just like Oprah Winfrey and Co. will get tired of new age. Because in him is life. And the life that is in Christ is the light of men. That is the only thing that satisfies nothing else. That's the only thing that satisfies. So, he was observing those people. You know, all those people, you know, new age, you see them go through one thing after another. And I saw that it's exactly the same steps that Solomon said every man will go through in life. There's a time they'll pursue money, pursue money, find it, and find out they look. It's vanity. There's nothing inside there. You know, remember the story he told about a young man? He went, are you the one that told it? Anyway, a big church in Lagos was doing a program, a faith-based program. Preachers, teachers of the word were coming. So this man left his church and came to attend the program. So his friends saw him. I said, boy, what are you doing here? I thought in your church, I mean, this church you attend. He said, bros, we have have found success. Now our church will preach success, success. So we have found success. Now please, let's come and find Jesus. And he has been a committed member of a church, big Nigerian church. The guy said, Kai, we have found success. It is time to find Jesus. That is, success and Jesus, they are not the same thing. They are not the same thing. So I saw those people. That was actually what stimulated me. I went and read Solomon again. Solomon said, listen, we, people look for money. When that one is, is not, they say, no, we are doing, now listen to this. One of the things they do, there are a number of things, about four or five of them, that people do in trying to find the purpose. Now listen to this. Trying to find purpose for life. First, let's look for money. Country is hard. And that gives you focus for a while. And after a while, either because you found the money or you got frustrated of looking for, or in looking for it, you leave that matter. Another thing people use, is say like, listen, 
let's take care, you know, all of this we are doing is because of the children. Listen to me, nine times out of ten, when people tell you that they are lying to you, because many of the people doing this because of the children, they know what they are doing makes no sense for the children. How can you export your own children? You are not a father to them more than two times in a year, and you say whatever you are doing is for them. Are you all right? How can it be? I like one thing my friend Pastor Courage will say those days, when the north was hot and all of that, people said, look, send your children at least. He said, they are safest where I am. He said, my presence, they are number one safety. I'm not sending them anywhere. Let me tell you the truth, so you understand spiritual things. When people tell you that, they are lying. Now, there are two kinds of lies. One, the fellow lying to you is deceived himself. Second, he's just blatantly trying to deceive you. A lot of people say, just look at them. Why are you lying? Where did your father send you to? And now you have the ability to do what you are doing. <laughs> Let me tell you, Nigerians, look, Nigerian Christian, let's learn how to think and reason. Say, you want to give your children the best education. I said, why are you talking like a fool? It annoys my soul. You went to this same University of Nigeria. Now, with that, you got enough job to sponsor a whole family to North America. Reason. Just be statistical in your reasoning. Just look back over your life. I mean, why are you talking like this? One day, my, friend, my wife and I traveled in the U.S. So, because we're moving, my friend, you know, went, we're going some, for something. So, my, we're staying with my friend. Okay, he also, of course, is a married man. So, you know the way it is. People kind of pay off. So, I was with him. So my wife kind of stays more with uh, his wife, you know, that kind of thing. So we kind of lose each other once in a while, <laughs> that kind of thing. So at the point in time, my friend approached, I think was waiting, no, it was with me. So my wife was waiting, was not talking to a white woman. And she was wearing this very colorful, you know, African thing, you no know, long robe and had this very colorful scarf. And if you know the way white people can be, you know, they, they pick interest in such things. So the, the woman, middle-aged woman, just pick a conversation with her. That's some years ago. So, oh, where are you from? You know, we're, we're boarding the plane, actually, just walking to board. So, like, she's from Nigeria. Oh, you're just visiting the USA. I'm just visiting the US just for a few weeks. I'll be back home. Now, you now say, where have you been? This is where I'm going. Now, my wife just talked normally. She wasn't trying to impress anybody. She said, hey, when I came, I first went to New York. From there, I went to see my sister in New Jersey. Then I came over to Houston. Then I was going to um, Atlanta before. You know, she was just dropping names. Just gist, you know. So my friend heard that part of the conversation. Then he pinched me. See, your wife is oppressing that woman. <laughs> I said, what do you call oppression? Ah, uh-uh. You know, it was, that was just her, her travel for the, the way the journey went. You know, the way it is, you go here, okay, let me see this person there, stay here for a week, then I'm going over here. She actually got there before me, so I now arrived. I'm now going for the main reason that I came. So we met in my friend's place. We're now going somewhere else. He said, ha. He said, that's oppression. I said, hey, which one's oppression? They count everywhere you don't work out for this America. He said, that woman can't afford it. I said, what? He said, it's only people like you that arrive here and be traveling all over the place. Those of us who live here, we can't afford that kind of travel. That, that, as he was dropping that, he said, these are expensive journeys. Now, I'm going somewhere. Where you are running to, let my children have prosperity. You are sitting down here. God has given you enough blessing to be able to keep them there. And you think the God that did it for you, he's going on retirement just because now you are old. 
At the end of the day, what do you give? What do you get? Are you getting my point? You don't know value. You are paying too much for little. You don't realize it. That same friend who pinched my, pinched my, said, your wife is oppressing somebody. Once he told me, first time I went to this was long before this one. He went to his place. He said, ah, if you had time. He mentioned the name of a foremost Nigerian politician of when we were young. He said, if you had time, we were in New York that time. He said, if you had time, I would have taken you to the shop where she works for minimum wage. The only daughter he had when he was in office. He said, she works for minimum wage. He said, if you had time. Of course, you know the way it is. Time can be tight. He said, ah, he said, just go and buy something so they can go on record. Do you get my point? <laughs> that the daughter of this prominent man you used to hear of when you were a child served you. She was a minimum wage. You are talking about somebody <laughs> planning for the future? Solomon said, people do all of that thing. It's vanity. It's chasing after the wind. There's something they are looking for. They are just the chain as an excuse. He said they went for spiritual wisdom. So you see them chasing after Hinduism, all kinds of things. The only thing that truly satisfies is Christ Jesus. That's what I'm explaining. The only thing that truly satisfies is Christ Jesus. There's no religion on this earth. They are at best shadows of reality. That's just what they are. At best including Judaism. Unfortunately, modern-day pastors, out of frustration also, or confusion, they're trying to go back to Judaism. And that's always been a risk. They won't know that even the prophets in Israel, they will prophesy. Then they will start praying, ah, now what are we talking about here? And the Spirit of Christ in them will tap them and say, relax, don't worry. It's not for your time. It's for another time. So these are things that even angels long to look into. That is a prophet in, that's under Judaism. A lot of them prophesy what they did not understand. Beyond prophesying, you know, that's why, you know, Daniel, if you read your Bible, is one of the prophets. But if you go and read the Hebrew scriptures, do you understand? That is the way the Jews compiled their own canon. Daniel is not one of the, one of the prophets. They have what they call the early prophets. What you call First Samuel, Second Samuel, is one of the prophets. For us, it's history, but for them, it's prophets. Then they have the latter prophets, including Isaiah, Jeremiah, and all of that. Daniel is not in any of the two. Daniel is among what they call the writings. Esther, Nehemiah. <laughs> Do you get my point? That includes Daniel. Why? They did not see Daniel as a prophet. You see where I'm going? Yet, Daniel... All these revelations were based on relationship. Daniel knew Christ Jesus. Yes, he did not know him as Jesus, but he knew him. What Jesus said before Abraham, I am. Are you getting my point? That, that, that Jesus, Daniel knew him. That was why he would pray. That is for him. Daniel was not practicing Judaism, actually. In Judaism, he knew something else had to be there. And he prayed until God gave him understanding. And that's why they say in heaven, when the, when the angel came, he said, Daniel, you are a man of what? High esteem. He said, you are highly esteemed. Once you began to pray, I was dispatched. That is, Judaism is not the answer. Those inside, inside it had to crawl beyond it. David got to a point. He was eating bread that was not lawful for him to eat. You know why? Because he had 
while he was a shepherd boy, while he was alone in the wilderness, he had crawled beyond Judaism into another realm. Listen, the only realm that exists where somebody finds satisfaction is Christ. I'm not in the school of prayer. You wonder, why are you talking so much? You're supposed to be talking about prayer. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. What I'm going to explain to us is this. Many of us not knowing what Christianity is, we have now brought it down to the level of other religions. We modi- it's modified idolatry we practice. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewith us shall we be clothed? It's an anti-Christ, I'm sorry to say it like that. It's an anti-Christ doctrine. Now let me tell you what I mean by anti-Christ doctrine, not the anti-Christ himself. An antichrist doctrine is anything that removes your eyes from Jesus Christ and puts the source of life for you elsewhere. No matter how good the thing seems, once it does not elevate Christ, it's antichrist doc- a doctrine. So it is an antichrist doctrine that focuses on give an offering so you can be blessed. You see, he has turned a blessing for you. That is, your work is not a source of blessing. It's antichrist. Because we are blessed with every spiritual blessing where? In heavenly places in where? In who? In Christ. Not in our good works. It's antichrist doctrine. You understand? It's an antichrist doctrine that will push us to be doing work so as to use that one to attain to righteousness. It's antichrist. I know one of the things that antichrist doctrine is doing is making our needs a goal in life. Satisfying our needs. So I pray so I can live long. I give so I can get. I go on mission so I can have enough mansions in heaven. So that when I die, I won't be homeless. Because homelessness on this earth, not a bad thing. But it's temporary. Homelessness in heaven, Father. We don't know how long that one will last though. So they say, how do you get homes in heaven? Win two souls. So if your friend don't want to give your life to Christ, if you give your life to Christ, you go call God for us. You go want yourself. <laughs> You want me to be homeless when I die? Give your life to Christ so you are one of the... Look, you cock the gun. The guy said, what, do you, what should I say? Did you watch that video? <laughs> that pastor, 17-year-old girl, at least he thought that he wants to be sleeping with first led heart to Christ. Say after me, be my Lord and my Savior. My wife looks at She thought she was watching a movie. <laughs> I said, that's confusion. When people have been so deceived, they can't think straight anymore. Say, so you know I'm a pastor. As if that's supposed to make adultery sanctified. No, we are pastors. We operate a different level of grace. So even when we are committing, Jesus will just die again to solve all our problems of iniquity. This is grace. They are men of God. They are men of God. We are beyond men of God. We are men from God. Oh, so we start preaching the gospel. Why? It's still idolatry. It is still what shall we eat? What shall we drink? With what shall we live in when we get to heaven? So you see, listen, let me tell you the truth. You'll be surprised. When Jesus said, I never knew you, you walk out of iniquity. It is safe, it's safe. Listen, a lot of men who are going to leave church, 
A lot of women that will leave church this season eh, is for their own good. It's what they call their own good. They still have a small chance of discovering truth before they become so deceived. Because when you give somebody a title, pastor, he's got it made. Why should he repent? Of what? I was promoted to be a pastor just like I have been. You're not telling me I should repent. Where, where else? What else? I don't want to be a bishop or an archbishop. I don't like with the pastor title. And I live my life. At least eternity is secure. And I can be whatever I want to be on this earth. It's good for some people to go away. Let them sin. At least they will know they are sinners. I don't know whether you're getting my point. They will be able to say, you know, when they come to the Lord, they will be able to say, have mercy on me, the sinner. They will not be able to say, I prophesied in your name. They will not be able to say, you understand? I know, I did these works in your name. Because if they stay like that, one day Jesus will look at them again and say, I never knew you. There are many people in church today he does not know. There are plenty. They occupy offices. They want to start branches. And the branches have blossomed. Why? They have a name. You know, the big guy has a name. He gathers people around the name. And anytime, like, like one pastor said once, he said, I've made a covenant with God on the name of that church. That even if I put a goat as a branch pastor, the church will grow. That was his word. Goat. It may sound like, and he was trying to explain a particular point. I was there that they were saying it. He was trying to explain something. That that name, let's assume Kingdom World Ministries now. It's not the Kingdom World, just an example. He said, listen, I made a covenant with God. Anywhere I place that name, people will gather. He said, even if I put a goat as a pastor. He was trying to explain that many goats have been deceived into thinking they are anointed. That's the point he was trying to make. That I put a goat somewhere. Now, I'm the one adding, repeating. He said the goat only once, so I'm the one that's saying it three times now. <laughs> that I, I put him somewhere. He will not grow wings. Now wants to be a bishop himself. Thinking that he's anointing. No, that is a covenant I made with God. And that covenant, I have said anywhere I put this name, people will gather. So the man goes to a new city. He puts the name. People gather and they say, oh, me too, I'm a pastor. I can do it too. You can judge whatever he's saying, whichever way. But the point I want to make is that it happens like that. Many people have grown churches. They don't realize that it is not them. So they have this false assurance of hope, of being, you know, being important as far as God is concerned. Let's now, hey, when, when, when their deception will now be consolidated, they will now lay hands on the sick one day. The sick will now mistakenly get healed. Oh, Barry. That, you will not stop hearing that testimony. And when they finish hearing the testimony, two more people, their faith will be provoked. He will pray again. They will get healed. Ah. How can you say God disapproves? I know God disapproves of adultery. I know he does. But the one I'm doing with that woman is not adultery. Why? Because the week after I started, the first sick people, person got healed. I remember, I remember, I remember Chris Uba. Chris Uba, Chris Uba, and Uba's brother that was terrorizing um, Ngige. You know what Chris Uba said? He said God is with him. That everything he's doing, all that trouble because of Anambra State. He said God is supporting it. That after all, his wife finally delivered a son in the midst of all the crisis. And he brought the boy to dedicate in Enugu. And one of our big bishops, Archbishop, did the dedication. 
and all the big politicians all over the country flew in, you know, for things like that. The man said, what else does he need to know that God is with him? <laughs> so some people, eh? That's why there are deceptions. There is, the week after they started that affair, or two weeks after, the first sick person got healed under their administration. The guy said, oh, pari. This anointing, this, uh, uh, this one is not adultery. It's a connection with the spirit. This woman brought the anointing to my life. It is called the Lord has deceived him and he has been deceived. So when you see men like that backslide now, please be happy. Say, thank God, though. But I think he has gone back to the world. At least now he will know he's a sinner. At least now he will know he's a sinner. Now, what am I going to say? So, it's still idolatry. We practice sometimes even in what we call ministry. We are trying to give offerings so that God can bless us back. We labor for the work so that our children can be blessed. And it sounds noble. Solomon said it's still vanity. Eventually, you, you will labor for God. Your first son will go on drugs. And you'll be wondering what happened. Laboring for God does not, doesn't help your children. No. I hope you understand that. Oh, it does not. It does not in any way. Can't go and say, I have, I have worked for God, my children will be safe. Because, eh? She will start doing calculation. If you want to pray for children, pray. I say, Let's, let me say something to you again. Go and get that our, that our declaration we declare when we start praying. This is how we do it, for those who don't know it. We say, I enter into the presence of the Father as a renewed child of God. I have not come in the power of the good works which I have done. I have come only because of the grace and mercy which I have in Christ Jesus. I thank the Lord for saving me. I thank the Lord for washing me clean. I have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. I have come to, to, to thousands and, uh, upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. Now, and, now, for time's sake, I just want to jump down. I have come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. How do you begin it? I have not come in the power of the good works which I have done. Listen, sometimes you may not open your mouth to say it, but your heart thinks it and feels it. I mean, Job was one that said it to us. He said, sometimes secretly, you stretch your hand to the moon in worship. Sometimes we do that. Let me advise you again as a believer. No matter what you have done for God, when you go and pray, don't think of it. In fact, first repent of the good works. Say, God, I want to pray today for my children. I just Before I start praying, let me remind you that I have preached all over this country for you. I have given a total of three quarters of my income for the advancement of the gospel. I have done all these good works. And I want to say I'm sorry. Sorry about what? For thinking them. Please, I know they will not, that is reject. <laughs> I don't know that you're getting my point. Say, Lord, I reject them. I reject them. I'm not thinking of them. Why have you come? I have come because Jesus is Lord. I have come because you are good. I have come that because the children you sent for to me, they are for signs and for wonders. I am giving you my, my authority in my home. And I'm saying, let your will in my life be done. I'm asking you, protect my children. Keep them. Let them know you. Let them grow up in righteousness and in faith and in holiness. Keep them from this world. Then, then let them be stained. You pray and say, Father God, so that they might serve, serve you. I help them to serve you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, thank you. Can I go? If you want me to stay here, I will stay. Not like 
<laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. And declare upon my children, they are blessed. And what you are thinking is that, hmm, one million dollar offering can't go for nothing. I used that one like that man said, you put pressure on that offering. You make a demand on that seed. Nonsense talk. <laughs> you put pressure on a thousand dollar seed. You say, check out. What can thousand dollar hold? <laughs> the Bible says the redemption of a soul is costly. What can a thousand dollar hold? Thousand dollar rubbish. It's because we think, think Christianity is a form of idolatry. Where all we are trying to do is grab, negotiate, grab, you know, offer sacrifices. So that when you offer sacrifices, Satan will be rebuked. Say, you know, you, you know, pastors, we know how to threaten people very well. You see, don't bring your tithe. The devourer is coming after you. Obey, you are in trouble. So as you go, you fall on the staircase, your shoe, the heel moves. Say, hmm, did you pay your tithe last month? Those things, eh, they are bad, though. We just don't realize it. Evil practices. We see things idolatry. You pay Jesus, he hands you something back. Say, when you go to see Jesus, say, ah, yeah. Emeka, what did you bring? Say, Lord, I just brought an offering, a tithe, first fruit, and an offering. Say, yeah, keep it there, keep it there. What do you want? I can smell your offering. What do you want? <laughs> and we, we think it, and we're preaching it. And the guy was saying, when I went there to the presence of the Lord, I first cast down what I brought. He is not an idol. You think his name is Obatala? <sighs> Suppose we're talking about prayer. But let's first get it clear. Christianity is not a joke. It's not one of those things. It's not the way by which we solve our problems. Let me tell you what Christianity is again. It is God replicating himself in the lives of his multitude of children. That's what it is. Therefore, the higher, no, which one that you purpose of prayer is to ensure that each time Christ is being formed in me. That is why you find Paul write letters to poor people and he forgot to pray about their poverty. Yes. You hear about the Macedonians, Philippians, they are all the same group of people. He will say, all he used to say is what? I have heard of your faith. That's what he used to talk about. If he talks about money, go and check it. Paul's issue about money is, one, it shows the genuineness of your love. So what matters to Paul is your love genuine. Because if love is not genuine, Christ-likeness is absent. Yeah. Paul understood ah, that people had problems that time. You think it's now people don't have jobs? They were poor people that time. They were slaves. A slave ran away. He gave his life to Christ. He gave him a letter. Go back to your master. Have you noticed that Paul did not focus on some of the things we focus on now? Let me tell you the reason why. Because he understood that those are the mundane things of life. And he heard the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Seek first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness. And all other things shall be added unto you. Jesus was saying to us in effect, all this prayer, 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 my need, my need, my need, my need is not Christianity. It is not Christianity. It's pure idolatry. It's idolatry. It's not Christianity. He said, listen, the father knows what you need before you ask him. Okay, you didn't ask, what do we do with prayer? He said, use it to seek the kingdom of God. Because he was talking in the context of praying. And his righteousness. Oh, so needs are not important. He didn't say that. Well, of course, they are not of primary importance, for sure. But he wasn't saying the needs will not be met. He said they are, they are collateral occurrences. <laughs> do you know what I'm going to say here? They are, they are collateral. They are not the purpose. Say, all other things shall be what? Added. You know, he said, wisdom is the principal thing. Once I realized that if you learned basic mathematics, basic economics, you know, they taught you about principal and interest. So when he said wisdom is the principal thing, he said the kingdom of God is a principal thing. Interests are added, you understand? Interest is added onto the principal. So as long as the principal is out there operating, the interest will be what? Added. So the needs of Christians. You know what, what Paul taught us, having learned from the Lord Jesus? He said many times your needs come between you and the real principle. They obstruct your eyes. He said, so hand them over to God. He didn't say he will answer the prayer. He said the peace of God that passes all understanding. What was he trying to say? He said then you will now realize that you can't be focusing on your needs. You will now be back to focusing on the primary thing. That's what the peace of God does. The peace of God makes what the Gentiles seek unimportant to you. One of my colleagues said something to me once. You know, there's a way we work, you know, there's a way promotion is in academic sector and everything. So we used to meet together to do some work. So after a while, the guy find me, he did not see me. He tried, he didn't see me. One day he saw me one day. He said, oh God, tell us. He said, it looks like you know some things we don't know. I said, like what? He said, are you sure when Jesus is coming? Because you don't seem to be bothered. <laughs> I had a good laugh. He said, and he wasn't joking. He's like, okay, tell us, so let's know. Because you seem not to be concerned. Jesus is coming soon, so just let us know so that we too will stop bothering. Because after sweating and sweating and sweating, like Jesus just come, gang, gang, and that's the end of the whole thing. He <laughs> later, you don't know what God did for me. What God gave me was that he gave me the peace of God that passes all understanding. That's what God just did. So the pressure, the pressure, the pressure just left my heart. Paul said that's the primary thing God does for you, that your needs, your problems, they tend to become an obstruction between you and what God wants to do in your life. So the primary thing is to get them out of the way. He wasn't saying pray until you get it met. No, get it out of the way. It's called things that easily beset. You have to remove things that, you know, that trip you, that make you fall. That's what I mean. They make you fall over. They become a focus. Today, sister told me once, she was in a beautiful place, nice company, many people like to work. And she kept on having revelation that she lost her job. You know, by revelation, she 
He will dream. She will dream. And then, of course, you know pastors now. There are two kinds of pastors. They are the ones that are trying to teach the word of God, and there are some, it's just business. So those business pastors, they know how to capitalize on everything. So you have a need. That's it. So, of course, she will see them, and they will tell her she needs to tie God's hands. She needs to give an offering to secure this job and everything. Then one day I showed up, and she requested to speak with me. And while she was speaking, I got up to go. Like I said, I don't have time for people like you. <laughs> Literally, she held my garment. <laughs> like, sir, you can't go. Why can't I go? Go and meet the prophet that prophesied to you. Did I prophesy to you? I came to teach. I know now. I said, listen, my sister. In summary, this is our discussion. I said, in summary, you don't have any revelation. You have fears. And that fear speaks to you in your dreams. And then when you narrate it to a pastor, says it's a revelation. I say, it's not a revelation, it is fear. Now, this is where I'm going. And I said, what do I do? I said, next time you dream that you lost your job, tell Satan in the dream, take it. I don't want it. So if you can walk in my office, I volunteer it for you. That, that was my own prayer. You think I would join her and say, We bind this job with concrete and iron rod. We tie you and your destiny to this job. You know, God, I give you the glory, I give you the praise. But you know, as, as a pastor, if you are not looking at people's pockets, you can pray the correct prayers. If your eyes going to their pockets and checkbooks, your prayer can't balance. Actually, I said, listen, next time you have that your revelation, tell whoever, whichever spirit appears to you, say, you want to walk? Should I give you my ID card? You can report there on Monday. <laughs> you can report there on Monday. You know what the Bible says? People are held in bondage because of the fear of death. So as long as you have this fear, I may lose the job, I may lose the job, you are in bondage. I said, say, uh, take the ID card, you want to go there? Quote a few you know, sayings and scriptures. Like they will say, when one door closes, another one will open. Just declare this and just forget it. I'm talking about the peace of God. Because many times, what God is trying to do in your life, fear will not let him do it. You'll be so concerned with some things. And that is what our needs, that's what they are. Distractions. So Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You know, we quoted many scriptures. God said, whatever I ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. So I started asking for corn and biscuits. I'm telling you real things that happened when I was in school. Jesus said, whatever you ask the Father in his name, will claim food, corn. And I look and I say, you think Jesus sat people he trained down after years of training? Let me tell you what those guys went through. They left their jobs, left everything. Followed him here and there. They went through difficult times together. Towards the end, started giving them, you know, instructions on what to do when he will have gone. He now said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. And you think he was talking about Guguru and Ekba. No, no, think about it. You think he was talking about groundnut? No, he wasn't talking about groundnut and bread. What he meant is this. You guys sit down and talk like Northern Nigeria has been donated to Islam. He said, why don't you together, all of you, join hands 
and bind Islam within the borders of your nation and watch it run. Why don't you like John Knox and say, give me Scotland or I die? He's asking me for bread, promotion at work, a new job. How does he look and say, oh, all that discussion <laughs> that I had with these people sat my cream, you no, know, my men. Before I picked them, I prayed all night. Go and check it. He went, prayed all night, then returned, and then picked 12. He trained them. Peter, James, and John were even the inner of the, you know, inner caucus. When they are going to pray, we pray for the, for Jairus' daughter. Tell everybody wait outside. Peter, you come. James, come. John, come with them. Then you walk in. Let me show you how they raise the dead. Then one day they say, have you ever met Moses? Say, no. You've not met Elijah before. Oh, those are not historical figures. They are living people. Do you know that? He said, are you serious? Okay, guys, follow me. They went to the mountain. When Peter saw the spiritual realm, he got confused. You don't want to sit such men down and you are telling them how to collect bread. No. Now I know. That's what I was, that, that was not what he was talking about. You know what they were talking about? He said, listen, they took James, you guys were not watching. Now they are taking Peter. John said, guys, Jesus said, whatever I will ask of him, let's collect Peter back. Then they began to pray. And because they asked the father, the father went there, the angels went there, opened the door and told Peter, go home. He said, whatever you shall bind on earth, that is, if you guys can come to agreement and bind corruption, everybody that steals will go to prison. But you know what we are doing? This year, Lord, it's my year of promotion. I'm tired of being on level 15. My mates have reached level 16. In the name of Jesus. He so a special seed so that this year will be your year of promotion. You now see all Mugun Christians will queue up to the front. And just looking at the back, say, now wow. I died for promotion in civil service. I died for promotion in civil service. When Dangote is applying 20,000. Just looking at them like this. Ha! Huh? Said so this year, you will not be the same again. Last year you were eating guguru. This year you will eat ekwa. Hallelujah! Now I'm convinced. When Jesus was teaching those men, he wasn't talking how to get Guru and Ekpa. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. That is, how do, will the kingdom of God come down? It will be through your intercessory prayer. It will be through your John Knox kind of prayer. That you say, Lord, give me Meduguri or I die. Then because now you are praying serious prayers. Now you are asking me for a serious thing. And now we can talk. Now we can talk. What is the higher purpose of Christian prayer? I wrote two things down here. One is so that, first of all, prayer is to conform earthly things to the order of the Spirit, the order of God. Christian prayer is not about food, it's not about drink, it's not about clothing, it's not about earthly promotion. Not at all. 
First place where the order comes into existence is in my life, is in your life, is in our individual lives. If I find anything in me that is not right, that is the job of prayer. I will pray it away until it goes. I hope you're getting my point. If I find impatience in me, I will pray it away. That's what God is saying. That is the prayer point. Like I said, if you need money, the first prayer point is for you to be able to live without money. I don't know what I heard what I said. Your prayer, look, God is not trying to save, so people are addicted to having money. All human beings actually. Addiction to having it. He said for true believers, the first prayer point in the money area is to break the money addiction. You may say, ah, rich, I'm not rich. No, 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 no. Let me tell you the truth. Rich and poor, ah, they can be addicted to money. It's not about being rich. So Paul said, when they sent him gifts, the Philippians went out of their way, out of their poverty. They gathered things and sent to Paul. He was very happy for them. Say so you have, you know, you have rekindled your love. Your love was waxing cold. It's just for me. Money or no money. I think I'm the same. I'm a preacher of the gospel. I teach the word of God. We have experiences, observe things and all of that. But when it comes to the area of money, one day I heard Paul when he was leaving the Ephesians in Acts chapter 20. He said, I have coveted nobody's goods. Ha! That became my prayer point. That God, may I not covet anybody's goods. Let me be able to say like Paul, I have coveted nobody's goods. This Paul didn't have money. You see what Christian prayer is about? But we turn it that way around. Say, ha! Me to a hammer. Jehovah Shama. You make me hammer. I will drive home. <laughs> I heard that joke. <laughs> All kinds of names we have called God. But I went to a church. I didn't. Money! Come! Money! Come! Money! Come! Father God, maybe I did that in the past too. Have mercy on all of us and okay with it. It's my representation of all the pastors. <laughs> so that you hear me say okay with it, I mean it, the pastors. What's the first Christian prayer is about? Say, Paul said, ah, let's open there. Just feel like reading what Paul said, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 from verse 10. Okay, let me, let me read it from, I'll read it from, okay, let me read New American, then I'll get other translations. He said, I rejoice in the Lord greatly, now that at last you have revived your consent for me. Indeed, you were consent before, but you lacked opportunity. So he said, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all this through him. Who strengthens me? Say, nevertheless, having said this, 
I want to let you know you have done well to share with me in my affliction. Anytime you read this, instead of saying, God, prosper me, say, no. No, that's not where you start from. You say, Lord, make me have this testimony so that my joy in the midst of little and the midst of plenty will remain the same. That is worthy of prayer and fasting. That is worthy of praying and fasting for. That is, Lord, ah, wait. They sent a man. Listen, they did not only send money, they sent somebody. A Epaphroditus was sent to go and stay with Paul, to take care of him, and with a lot of supplies. Paul saw, he said, ah, what is happening here? Said the brethren gathered and said, I should bring this for you. Because at that time it was some distress, like in his bond affliction. Maybe he was in prison. House arrest. Said, a Epaphroditus will stay with you. Take care of you. And so the brethren said, ah. So that's very good though. God will bless all of them for this kind of thoughts that they're having. He said, but Epaphroditus, you are welcome. I'm happy to see you, but I'm not too excited to see the goods in itself. Because whether the food they here, you know they here. I remain the same. Now, you know, there's a spiritual, t- listen. There is a spiritual trait that makes that impossible. That is what prayer is about. You pray until they don't pay salary for three months and you don't complain. Ah, you know, we disgrace Jesus a lot. You enter the office. Anybody don't get a lot? Because me, I, me, I never get to. So, first one I say, no, I never get. You, you don't get. Nobody don't get. They never pay. You drag your chair, you sit down. I mean, I'm not working today. A laborer is worthy of his wages. <laughs> Oppression is not good. You'll be preaching gospel. You will sit down there the whole day. Nobody can talk to you because a hungry man is an angry man. <laughs> Morning till evening. Then by two o'clock you are going. They say, ah, you don't get close. So why never, why not go close? The one I did, have they paid for it? I beg, I beg, I go church. <laughs> you know, we don't realize. That's what the Bible calls murmuring. We think once we have a good reason, it's not murmuring. That's what we think. You know, it's an unconscious thing. We just think that once I have a good reason, it is not murmuring. Murmuring is for those who are, who are looking for too much. I mean, don't mind them. They have an old Corolla, but it's moving. They start murmuring that why has God not given them a Lexus? Mind them. Then when your own old Corolla enters into a pothole and the shaft gives way, you come out. This is a useless country. In Canada, all the roads are good. What we have is a government. It's not a government. All of this because you're... But you know, you're not a murmurer. You know why? You have good reasons. The, car, the road spoiled and your car has been damaged. It's going to cost you money. So you don't think you're a murmurer. Listen, to, let's think about it. You have not paid you for two months. 
you feel justified. Listen, those that God said murmured in the wilderness, you think they had no reason to murmur? When you're thirsty, it's okay. You're a man. Then when your child talks, you say, Daddy, I'm thirsty. Then you know there's trouble. And Moses said he delivered you. And then your son, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Water is coming. And now go and meet Moses. And Moses said that you came to ask me for water. Did you see me carry this ever? <laughs> say, Moses, wait, wait. What did you say? <laughs> Bro, some of us are thirsty. I beg. Ah. Moses, in case you've forgotten, I live next to the Nile. There was a well just about 100 meters from the Nile. I had water around the year. I had running water in my house. Yes, I may not have been totally free like the Egyptians, but I had water until you came with this, your deliverance. Well, I start to rubbish. Promised land. Pro, we can't even promise water. Yeah, promised land. Egypt that he said is an accursed land. He had water. Huh? These are the people that God destroyed and you are angry with till today. They had a reason to murmur. That is the point I'm making. They had a reason to murmur. Don't think they did not have. They had as much reason to murmur as you have to murmur for not being paid for three months. Let me tell you what Christianity is. When you get to the office, this is the third month they have not paid. You will get on your knees and say, Lord, thank you for the trial of my faith works patience. In the midst of my adversity, you are still God. You know I need to eat. You know my family needs to eat. I know you are the supplier. Lord, I ask of you, let your peace that passes all understanding overshadow my heart. You rise up from that, your corner office, you come back to the front office. A kind of smile hits your face. People look and say, that man knows where his money is coming from. That's why he's not worrying like the rest of us. He knows. Uh-uh. He said, old man, no waiting, don't chop. When he said, this one is enough. Hmm. Start giving African proverbs. Then I say, ha. Hey. Miss Andrew, how oh, now? He said, we thank God, though. We thank God. Uh, please, uh, I think that I'm supposed to attend to some people. Eh? You want to attend to them? What will we do now? They have come to be service. We want to, uh, uh, me, I can't work. You have not, they have not been paid. Uh, we have not been paid, though. Relax. They will pay in due season. But these people now, they the reason why we are being old. And let's save them first. And they are looking at you. They say, ah, didn't you hear? His uncle is a commissioner. That's why he's talking like this. They start look, because there has to be an explanation for your confidence. They will start looking for it. Why are you not worried like the rest of us? There must be something. But what is that something? It's called the peace of God that passes on understanding. That is what we Christians do with prayer. It is not to get that money out. It's to say, first of all, God, let's set it stage by stage. First of all, this will not trouble me. God answers a lot of prayers, but he's not happy he did. He said, the way you handled it, I'm unhappy with you. You failed my test. But I'll give you the water. Don't worry. You will get the water. When the moment against the Moses, didn't they get water? They did. But God just said, shame on you. Shame on you. I would have thought you would have been so full of gratitude for, you know, or full of gratitude for what I have done so far. That water will be the last thing on your mind, no matter how pressing it is. And guess what? You will have received that water at the same time. In fact, quicker. 
So what should we do with prayer? The higher purpose of prayer in that situation. Lord, I have not been paid salaries. But I have to live like a true Christian whose life is not dependent on circumstances. That is the primary prayer. That's the first one. The first thing prayer does for us is to birth that Christ-likeness in us. We start hearing David who discovered it. Like I mentioned earlier, David discovered some things. We start hearing David speak. He will now say things like, Create in me a new heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. But it is me that's the problem. It's not Bathsheba. It's me. Some people say, no, all women, cover yourself. This is how kings fall. You know, that's the solution that some people put inside there. These girls, how many times do they have to tell you that when they want to bathe, go into the bathroom? Now the king has fallen. The king has fallen. That's a lot of us reason. David said, no, no, it's not Bathsheba. It is me. Creating me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. That is Christian prayer. When our Lord Jesus went to pray for himself, the only time we saw him praying for himself, what did he pray about? He said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That is prayer. Hey, yeah. That is prayer. That is like, listen, every other thing is okay. But the pressures of life right now are trying to push us into disobedience. But we will not let that happen. Listen, life, the pressure in, pressures of life are so great. They come in different measures. But they can be so great that you are overwhelmed. But that does not excuse you. You know why? He said, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. He said, draw near to the throne of grace and obtain what? Mercy. And find grace to help. In the time of need. What's that time of need? When the pressures of life are so great that to fall for them is a natural thing. It's a time to go and collect grace. So it happened to the Lord Jesus like that. So it was not time. Go to the cross. Listen, I can't imagine what the cross was like. You know, something like the cross, eh? they shouldn't tell you about it ahead. They should just push you inside. Even if your name is Jesus Christ, it's easier like that. Then grace will carry you through. <laughs> But when they tell you ahead, ha, they've killed you before your crucifixion. You know, that's what I've, I, I, I believe. Jesus didn't feel any pain on the cross. He felt the pain in the garden. Yeah, he felt in the garden. They showed him, ah, Jesus looked. He said, Lord, can I, I want to ask a question. What's the question? Is there no other way? I mean, is there only one road that enters this market? You know, nature market. I mean, there are different roads. <laughs> you can go from the side, you come from the back. Is there no other road apart from this one? Say, Lord, I'm just asking. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He prayed that prayer until the strength of God came into him to be able to obey. What is Christianity about? Praying until the strength of God to obey him under every circumstance comes into your life. Listen, let me quickly drop this one and they will stand up to give thanks. Don't bother with those excuses. God does not accept them. Do you know what I said? And you know the way Nigeria is. Any excuse you give for doing what is wrong, just it's not acceptable. I'm not saying you will die. Don't be afraid. 
I just want you to know it is not acceptable. Because one of the reasons why we continue is because we think we have a good excuse. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's the country. It's not my fault. It's Bathsheba. Eh? All these fine guys, you know, you shouldn't be basing anyhow near the palace. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's the way the people are talking to me. It's not my fault. Listen, I just want, that's just information I have for you today. It's a prophetic information. No excuse is accepted. You know, my wife and I were talking the other day. I said, sweetheart, anytime we give excuses like that, the Holy Spirit will now go and sit at the back and be watching us. And that's what he does. Why need you do what is right? You should, you should understand. You know, the circumstances of Nigeria, once you start like that, the Holy Spirit will just go. Which, chair, which kind of chair does he? Uh, maybe like this uh, Ben's chair now. Your collect it, sit down for that corner, just sit down there and be looking at you. You know, what you call excuse, you know what he calls it? Denial of grace. Do you hear what I said? What you call an excuse, he calls it rejection of grace. To you is an excuse. To him, he rejected grace. When the angels asked the Holy Spirit, how did he do? Say he rejected grace. Now think about it. That is, if Shadrach, Mishan, and Abednego had bowed in front of that fiery furnace, it would have been understandable to every reasonable person. You know that. But know what Jesus would have said? I was there to hold their back, but they wanted to bow. I was there to walk with them into the furnace. But they said bowing was easier. That's why I let I let them bow. Listen to it. No excuse flies with him. As far as it's concerned, you are disobedient, you are disobedient. All this one explanation is explanation. As far as it's concerned, you are disobedient. What you call the you know. Uh, explanation is what he calls rejection of grace. I call it excuses for Satan. Satan thrives in the midst of our excuses. Yeah. He does. What do Christians do? They set a standard, the standard of Christ before them, and they pray until they enter into it. And then there's pressure. You know what you're supposed to do? You go and pray. That's what prayer is about. You think Jesus was never afraid? He was. We have two reasons to believe he was. One, the Bible says he feared. <laughs> Number two, in the garden. He, you know what he did in the garden? He's called dodging. He said, what do you, Jesus dodged? Yes. When he saw the people come, he said, I'm coming. As things are right now, I can't go to that cross. If he could, why would angels strengthen him? Think about it. So, you know what you need to do, Christians? Dodge to pray. When the pressures come, they put, ah, they put one million dollars on the table. Bam. Sign. Should I, should I tell what they call one million dollars? Stop thinking about it in, in figures. Think about it in what it can do. And all they are just seeing is that, just sign, like one man that went to arrest one man, EFCC guys. So when they go to the man's house, the man put three million dollars on the table and said they should just go home and say he was not at home. Do you hear what I said? Just that. Just go and say I was not around. Then come back tomorrow to do the arrest. 
I just need 24 hours. If you are the man, you know what the Bible says? Just say, the man, I'm coming. Where's your bathroom? Tell your men, hold him there, I'm coming. <laughs> That's the bathroom. In the name of Jesus. Corruption is not my portion. In Jesus' name. That is. You will pray. You will pray until you open your eyes and you will see three million demons. It's not, it's not dollars, it's demons. When you come and say, enter the handcuff, Mogo. <laughs> enter the handcuff, let us go home. The desire for the money will leave you. That is the higher purpose of prayer, we believers. When you hear you are about to get into Babylon, things there are rough, let us have it. You pray the prayer that tackles Babylon. That's what we are saying. That's the higher purpose of prayer. That is the higher purpose of prayer. Let's start this evening and say, Father, thank you for calling me into the real feast. Not plastic food. Start, start with that thanksgiving. Say, Lord, thank you. For calling me into the real feast, not plastic food, not images of food. The real Christianity, real Christianity. Jesus, for calling me to know you, know you, know you, to know you personally. Ah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for deliverance. So I won't be chasing shadows up and down. Doing churchianity, new age, chasing money, telling myself I'm planning for something, the future of this. No, no, no. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Say, Jesus, wrap your hands around me. Let me know you. Let me know you the way men of old did. Men knew Jesus. Even people of the, what we call the Old Testament, they were not old in their own personal testaments. The covenant with men may have been old, but Abraham knew him. David knew him. Daniel knew him. Samuel knew him. There were men who knew him. Say, Lord, let me know you. Pray this evening. Say, Lord, let me know you. Let me know you more and more. Let me know you more and more. Let me know you more and more, Jesus. Let me know you more and more. Say, Lord Jesus, let me know you more and more. Let me know you more and more. Say, Lord Jesus, take my eyes away from all those other prayer points. Help me to seek first the kingdom and your righteousness. Say, help me to seek first the kingdom. And your righteousness. Help me, Lord Jesus, to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. Help me. Help me. Take a few prayers and say, Lord, I want to speak like Paul. That I'm the same in the midst of circumstances. Pray that prayer. Take a minute and pray that prayer. You need to. Because men run up and down because they can't speak like Paul. They are sad in the midst of little. They go mental in the midst of plenty. In life and in all its circumstances, they are just moving up and down like waves of the sea. Say, Lord, enough of my moving up and down like the waves of the sea. Pray, say, Lord, today I reject the grumbling spirit. The spirit that has excuses. Say, Lord, I reject the grumbling spirit. Oh, yes, there are excuses to grumble. There are reasons to grumble. I have a good reason it appears like but today, I stand and I reject it. No more grumbling in my life. I want to speak like Paul. I have coveted nobody's goods. I have coveted nobody's goods. 
Lord, help me to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Lord, this is my desire. That I will be like Jesus. Who saw the whole world offered to him. But he said, thou shalt serve the Lord thy God alone. Who had power to turn things to his own favor. Lord, I want to be like Jesus. Who said, man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord shall a man live. Lord, I want to live by your word alone. Lord, forgive me. Of Yes, I was old. I was old. I was old salaries. I was old. People owed my money, held my money, whatever it is. But like Jesus, I have to be. I have to be what the Father wants me to be. A child of God full of thanksgiving in the midst of circumstances. A child of God whose joy comes from doing the will of the Father and from finishing his work. Oh, that's the higher purpose of prayer. Paul said, my little children of whom I travel in best again until Christ is formed in you. That is forming Christ in them is the higher purpose of prayer. Say, Lord, let Christ be formed in me. <laughs> Pray. Say, Lord, lead me not into temptation. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from doing evil. That's what Jesus said. I don't want to do evil. I'm above the circumstances of this life because my life is hid with Christ in God. Therefore, this life will not make me do evil. Lack will not make me do evil. I will not turn my stones to bread. I will not bow to Satan to get kingdoms on this earth. I will wait. I will wait. I will wait for the Lord to lift me up in his own season. And I'm not talking about lifting of the flesh, but lifting of the spirit so that I may serve. We talked about it on Saturday. Lifting is for service. It's for service. It's for service. Lifting is for service. Lifting is for service. Lifting is for service. Say, Lord, I will let you lift me. Lord, I'm not saying add other things to me. No, that's not my prayer now. My prayer is now, Lord, is let my eyes not be on the other things. I don't want to serve you for what I'm going to get. Lord, I say, let my eyes not be on the other things. Lord, let my joy be from giving, not from receiving. Because you said it is more blessed to give. Ah! And the man preaches, anytime I give, well, I'm not at ease until I receive. I said, no, you have not discovered the joy of giving. The joy is in giving. He will see the result of the travail of his soul and he will be glad. The joy is in giving. No, pray this evening. Say, Lord, let me find my joy in giving. Let me find my joy in using my life to serve. Let me find my joy in doing the will of the Father. I want you to pray this evening. Say, Jesus. He said, Father, just like Jesus, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. In that dispute between me and my neighbor, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. In how I run my business, nevertheless, not my will, but yours, Lord, be done. In the relationship between me 
and my fiance. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. In the relationship between me and my husband, between me and my wife, nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but yours, but yours. Say, Lord, nevertheless, not my will. Not my will. Not my will. Not my will. That's the higher purpose of prayer, people of God. Is to birth the will of God first in my life. And then through me on the earth. Prayer is lending my authority to the Father. To do His will on this earth. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Let's continue to pray and say, Lord, in all that I do, it is your will that I seek. It is your will that I desire that be done in my life. No matter the pressure, it is your will that I desire. It is your will that I desire. No matter the pressure. The pressure in my marriage, the pressure in my business, the pressure of life, it is just your will. It is just your will. Let your will be done. Let your will be done. In that situation, Lord, it is your will. Nothing else but your will. Begin to give God thanks. Say, Lord, I thank you. Open your mouth and give him thanks because indeed, as you have prayed, as you have prayed, he has listened to, he has heard you. And if you truly desire his will, trust me, his will be done. Say, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank him. Thank him for the word that you have heard this evening. Thank him for the areas that you've received God's word this evening. Just thank him. If God truly spoke to you this evening, then give him thanks. If you've been encouraged this evening, then give him thanks. Say, Lord, thank you. Because every time we come, you just release your word to us again. It's always fresh. You always give us understanding, give us light. I will return all the glory to you. I live for Jesus day after day. I live for Jesus. Let's come what may Thy Holy Spirit I will obey I live for Jesus Day after One more time Day after day I live for Jesus Day after day, I live for Jesus. Let's come what may, Thy Holy Spirit, I will obey. I live for Jesus. 
Jesus day after day. Father, once again, we just thank you for your word that you have sent to us. And Lord, as we have prayed, it is just your will that we want done in our lives. Thank you. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's share the grace in fellowship. If you're coming today for the first time, please turn to page 11 of that magazine that you have, and you will see at um, the bottom a box written at the close of the meetings. This is how we share the grace in unison. I want to be sure that you are there. All right. So for the rest of us, let's go. One, two, three, go. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of under into the light of Christ. We have passed out of under the curse into the blessing. All things are passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is a season of multiplication, dominion, and manifestation in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Give that to two persons in the last line. Say, this is your season of multiplication, dominion, and manifestation in the name. One more person. This is your season of multiplication, dominion, and manifestation. The last one to yourself. Say, this is my season of multiplication, dominion, and manifestation in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Cheryl, brethren, see you on Saturday.